0: Last week, we started to speak about the pitfalls that we believers should avoid, especially when we have already been established by the Lord, especially when God had provided for us. You know, we always come to the Lord. You know, we, we pray and we're in desperation. God, we need a miracle. We need a miracle in our finances. We need a miracle in our this, that. We need a miracle. And, and so God answered our prayer and just blessed us. And then all of a sudden, after we are established, God had provided for us. Guess what happened? We want to further establish ourselves. We want to buy some kind of insurance that we don't come to that place of desperation again. So we do this and different things. And that's what Jehoshaphat did. He, we learned that Jehoshaphat in his desire to further secure the nation of Judah... He wanted to further establish himself. He did what would have eventually brought disaster to his own family three to four generations down the line, never mind about the fact that the entire nation of Judah got plunged into chaos, murders, confusion, and death because somebody trying to further establish themselves. See, many of us are, are like that. We, we're the same thing. And many of us are often tempted to further establish ourselves. Like I said, you know, we, we got a job that we asked for, you know, we look at two years ago in our lives and it wasn't doing so well. And we said, God, we just really need you to, to provide. We need you to provide this, we need to provide that. And and God provided it, and we wanted to further establish ourselves. Want to further cause ourselves to be to be to have this security, to have an insurance. So we do our own things. Instead of desperately rely on God. And the reason is because it's very natural. Who wants to feel insecure all the time? Who wants to feel uncertain all the time? Because of that fear of uncertainty. You all been there before. You wake up in cold sweat, right? You say, oh God, I, I really need you. I really need you. And then God showed up. And then we said, we don't want to find ourselves, get ourselves into this situation again. Therefore, I'm just going to figure out a way to further establish myself. Then I don't need to depend on God anymore. And that's what Jehoshaphat tried to do. You see, I want to tell you this. The only way when you're in a dire situation and that you are not feeling stressful, the only way you can make that happen is when you have discovered How to rest in the grace and the goodness of God. Everybody say rest in the grace and the goodness of God. You see, if you don't know how to rest in there, you don't know how to rest, you get all stressed out every time when the devil throw you a curveball, every time when there's an uh, uh, unfamiliar situation, unfamiliar circumstance, you get all, oh you know, you, you get all excited and, and you forgot about how to trust God and you forgot how to rest. Resting is so critical. You know, I'm, my book is coming up. I was talking about it last week and we we'll talk about it again. You know, it's coming in November, you know. It's about contending for rest. I'm going to do a series again on contending for rest because is a voice of this house how do you stay in rest and experience miracle of god without getting excited worry and being anxiety you see that is the spiritual Secret, if you may, how we can stay in rest and not worry about trying to re-establish or further establish what God had already established in our lives. If He had already provided for you, if He already healed you one time, He already healed you a couple of times. You don't have to try to re-establish or further establish. You can rest in Him. And when the devil throws you a curveball, and when things happen around you, you don't you don't get caught up in it and get all excited and get distracted and get get off that road of rest and peace. And it's a discipline, actually, to rest. And so when you learn how to rest in the grace and the the peace of God, you don't don't need to worry about wanting to further establish yourself. Because I tell you this, it doesn't matter how hard you're trying to establish or further establish yourself, and if you do it in a man's way, you always have disasters that's bigger than you have planned. And situation will come your way that will just get you off track, get you off completely the rest of God. And I want to encourage you. Don't try to establish yourself further with your own means, with your own ideas. Worse yet, with the ideas of the world, how the world established himself and secured himself. I want to encourage you just to learn how to rest. And I'm going to t- I'll share with you one more thing later on that will help you. But let's, let's, uh, let's move on. So last week, we also started to look at another pitfall that Jehoshaphat got himself into. He was uh, being induced into a war that he was not supposed to fight in. It wasn't even his war. But it would seem, and the word, operative word, it seemed that he was smart and requested to hear from the prophet, not just any prophet, but with the prophet that is from God, not just prophet that would agree with him. You see, I said last week, is that it was the fear of the Lord in his heart that it prevented him or at least caused him to pause before he's being seduced or induced or compelled by peer pressure into doing things that he shouldn't do. And you know, the Word of God says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? All wisdom. When you have the fear of God, you know how to pause and you know how to step back a little bit. Rather than rushing into things and let people to peer pressure you and make you do things that you're not even supposed to do. And so he actually asked to hear from the prophet of the Lord. And he said I want to hear from the prophet of the Lord. And so so 400 prophets came, you learned last week and they all prophesied according to what King Ahab wanted. You know, this is the prophets they're not true prophets. You learn later on is that God actually has sent them a lying spirit that they will prophesy whatever King Ahab wants to hear. A lot of times we want to go to listen to people to tell us what it is we want to hear. Our itching ears, just to soothe our itching ears. I want to encourage you not to do that but listen to the voice of God because God speaks to you in both ways. He speaks to you with with a prophet or with his word and then he confirm it in your spirit everyone say in my spirit that's why you know God is speaking to you because if somebody tell you something you know you, I'm sure you all hear the story you know some some guy you come up to you and say oh the Lord told me that you're supposed to be my wife or what how do you respond to that if they say the Lord is telling him that you know how do you know but you have a spirit in you and you go Mm-mm, no <laughs> sorry that's how God speaks to you right you don't allow you don't allow peer pressure to manipulate and coerce you to do things. You know, sometimes a prophet will come to you and say, oh, I'll tell you this, false prophets, they actually know things also. I remember this one time I was listening to a really famous preacher. He's passed away already. He said he was in this crusade, and uh, there was this false prophet that was attracting thousands of people in this tent. But as soon as he walked into that tent, you know, it was, it was in those days they have Revival Tent, you know. And uh, he, as soon as he walked into the tent, he said, I know in my spirit something is wrong. It just doesn't, it didn't sit well with me. Some of you will feel that when you walk into a church, uh, you know, or walk into a, a gathering, or walk into a little, you know, something, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. You go, I feel funny here, but you just can't put a finger to it. And that's, that's when the Holy Spirit is trying to preach, uh, speak to you. And so, you know, he, he was, he was, he, he feels discomfort and, and there was a check. And then he heard this prophet he pointed to someone in the audience. He said, you right there, in your drawer at home on the right, on the right side of your um, lamb, uh, table, uh, uh, lamb table, uh, right beside your bed, at the second drawer, you have like a 10-carat diamond that is your family jewel. He knew to the specific. And he said, the Lord told me that you're supposed to give that to me. Well, you know, this guy did. He gave it to him because he was fascinated with its ability to know so much. How many of you know that the devil knows a lot too? How do you discern the difference between the devil and God? you got the Holy Spirit in you. The Holy Spirit is going to give you a check. So don't easily manipulate and get manipulated and coerced by even the so-called prophets. Here he was, you know, King Jehoshaphat. He knew something was wrong with this 400 prophets. So he said, I want to listen to a a real prophet. And so what happened is they, 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 they they invite the real prophets. And we're going to catch up on the story on chapter, uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 18 verse 16. The real prophet's name was Micaiah. And Micaiah said, I saw Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let each return to his home in peace. And so what he's saying is that, hey, you know what? You're gonna lose this battle. You're gonna die, and all your people is gonna scatter all over, and they were not gonna have a master or a shepherd. They're all gonna to go to their own, own, own home. And so, basically, the real prophet is saying, What they told you is not true. What I'm saying to you is true. And so this king of Israel was upset. He said to Jehoshaphat, didn't I tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me but evil? And this is a person, you know, who always wanted to make a decision on his own. And then when the prophet disagreed with him, he get upset. And so he looked for the people that would agree with him. And, you know, doesn't that sound familiar? <laughs> you know, sometimes we hear the truth and we get upset. We go to a church and hear the truth, get upset. And so we want to go and listen to somebody that would agree with us. You know, I always say this. The way that you learn to grow is sometimes to listen to people who are in opposition to your idea. That's how you grow. But amen. Praise the Lord. Let's move on. So in verse 22, Now, therefore, behold, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of this, your prophets. The Lord has declared disaster concerning you. So here the prophet Mekahiah Me- say Mekahiah, 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 Mekahiah basically give the warning, don't do it. And so you know, you think Jehoshaphat, with the wisdom to look for a real prophet to speak to him, would heed the warning, but he didn't. He went to war anyways. You know why? Because he was under peer pressure. He was already in relationship with this king. He really strong formed a strong relationship. They're in-laws now. He's got his son marrying his daughter, you know, and have this strong relationship. So how, how could he back, back down? You're going to learn later on is how to avoid peer pressure way before the peer pressure starts. That is really not the form relationship. We'll get to that later on. So anyways, in spite of the true prophet warnings, they proceeded nonetheless. And if you always there, I like to slap his face a couple of times. Like, hey, wake up, man. What's wrong with you? You already know the truth. Why do you keep plunging yourself into this, this down, this road, this avenue that you know is not true? See, the, God, the grace of God you learned this morning also exists in the Old Testament. A lot of people say, oh, grace is a New Testament thing. As if God was a monster in the Old Testament. No. You will see that God's grace is always at work. Everybody say Always. God's grace is always at work. His grace is even bigger than our mistakes. So you see, in um, the, the, uh, 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 Jehoshaphat, you know, he made a mistake. He followed the king of Israel that he was that he was not supposed to, and so he got involved. And worse yet, King Ahab was an evil person like he didn't know and he knew and he still plunged his head to it. And King Ahab was devising a plan to protect himself and put Jehoshaphat in harm's way. So he said, I'm going to disguise myself like regular people so that nobody's going to chase me. Cunning, right? And you, Jehoshaphat, put on my royal robe. And you know, Jehoshaphat went along with it. It's like, hello, how stupid can you be? And he went along because why? Pure pressure. Everybody say pure pressure. He went along because of pure pressure. He had to. And so he went along. And verse 31, we, we, we get caught up in the story. As soon as the captains of the chariots mistaken Jehoshaphat as the king of Israel, they said, it is the king of Israel. So they turned to fight against him. So they thought, okay, now he's wearing that royal robe. Let me, let us, let's go pursue him. Right? So he's going to die for nothing. And Jehoshaphat cried out, and the Lord helped him. Everybody said, the Lord helped him. Do you know what the Lord wants to help you today? Even though you've made mistakes, He's here to help you. You just need to cry out to Him and say, oh God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And this is what God did. He cried out, and the Lord helped him. And God drew them away from Him. Wow, awesome. Drew trouble for as soon as the captains of the chariot saw that it was not the king of Israel, they turned back from pursuing him. Now, see, Jehoshaphat nearly died for nothing. He paid for the prize because he nearly had to pay for the prize with his own life just because he was not able to resist peer pressure. Friends, I want to encourage you to learn how to resist peer pressure, especially when your spirit is disagreeing with you of, what you de- of the decision that you're making. Learn to resist the prayer pressure. You know, here, Jehoshaphat nearly died for disobeying God and the warnings that God has sent to him through pro- the prophet. And so, you know, he risked his life. He, he risked his life. And when he cried out to God, God saved them. I actually had something similar, not death, but, you know, some of you remember that before we went into this period of rest, you know, and and, and my book is going to talk about the period of rest, right? The, the, The period of rest in this church, in my life, personal life, um, uh, the Lord said to me okay you need to shut everything down so we shut down all the conferences I, I call all the guest speakers and singers or whatever or whatever that we plan to come to this church I said hey listen we're gonna have to shut everything down I just felt the Holy Spirit was was telling me that but I couldn't do it for all the preachers because many of them I know them really well and uh, but you know God gave me the courage, and, and so this preacher that I I call, and he he he's an older man, you know, and and, and some of you who watch, uh, you know, uh, Christian television, you probably would be very familiar with him. He's really well known, and and he already planned to come, and, and I just couldn't tell him that I'm sorry. I made a mistake. You can't come. I mean, you know, how, how do you explain that, right? The Lord told me. and People go, yeah, whatever, right? So, you know, I just didn't know how to how to handle it. So I, I called him on my phone. I was like ready to tell him, hey, listen, we need to shut this down. I didn't have the courage. I felt the peer pressure. I pe- other people were saying, oh, he's really good. You know, we got to invite him to come. And I couldn't say it. And I agreed to a date. Confirmed the date. As soon as I hung up, there was such a check in my spirit. You disobey me, son. I said, Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Just one more time. Just let him come one more time. Then, then we, call it, we call it quit, you know. But the Holy Spirit was checking me. So I said, God, I don't know what to do. I, I need your help. Two weeks prior to him coming, I was actually picking up my son at school. I remember that day very vividly. I got a call from him you know it's an oklahoma number so i got a call from him and this older man you know he said oh pastor paul i just i want to call you i just really need to apologize to you he said you know you know that my son-in-law had passed away recently and and uh, everything was fine you know my daughter took over the church but she just called me yesterday in tears because she didn't know how to pastored the church by herself and she really needed me uh, to go down there and help her out. So I I really need to take care of my daughter. I really, really have to apologize for the fact that I had to cancel my trip to Toronto. You know, I, I I stay cool on the phone. I said, oh, no problem, brother. Praise the Lord, you know. It's okay. I forgive, you know. Just trying to be, play the bigger man, right? But inside, I was like, whoa, yeah, baby. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me, you know. That was my experience. It was pretty fun, actually. So God's always in His grace will provide a way out. Everybody say a way out. When you and I want to follow with the Lord and follow His commands, sometimes because of peer pressure, we would succumb to it. But when you and I cry out to the Lord, He will always provide a way out that is beyond our ability to resist. Amen? So in verse 33 and 34, the king of Israel was killed in a battle as the prophet had prophesied and had warned. Now, let's go to chapter 19. Chapter 19, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned in safety to his house in Jerusalem. But Jehu, the son of Hanani, 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 the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Now, let me caution you a little bit. In our time today, the only enemy we have is the devil. There are people that are not Christians. They are not your enemy. Their sin is the enemy of God. Whatever that's driving their behavior, that would be the demonic spirit. They are the enemies of God. The system of the world, they are the enemies of of God. Because they are under the control of the God of this world, uh, John the Beloved told us. So the system of the world, they are, they are the enemy. So we don't want to fall in love and help out the system of the world. But as far as people are concerned, they are not our enemies. So I know that in many circles, you know, we, we evangelical, even Pentecostal, we become very political because people disagreeing with our theology, disagreeing with our faith. We, therefore, we have made them our enemy. I was influenced under that. So I look at all the people who are not Christians as my enemy at one point in my Christian walk with the Lord. I didn't understand the grace of God. I didn't understand the Word of God said that while we are His enemies, He had died for me. And in other words, God had died for them also. How could they be my enemies if Jesus had died for them? I know they haven't made a decision yet, but they're not my enemy. The people who are atheists, the people who are who are who are under other religion, they're not my enemies. The system that is behind them that has deceived them, they are my enemies. So you and I shouldn't have an enemy because in some circle you'd be like us and them thing, you know. We we, we just get involved and we're gonna talk about getting involved in the battle that we shouldn't be getting involved in. You know, get all worked up and you know, all twisted in our motion, you know. I just want to caution us. Don't take this out of context. And say that those people who are not serving God like the way I serve, they are my enemies. They are not our enemies. But we should not help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord. The system of the world. Whatever the devil is providing. We ought to hate sin. We ought to hate the system of the world. But we ought to love people. Amen. Can I hear any man? Now I'm going to conclude with this. You say, already? Yeah, i got three points I want to conclude and I'm going to wrap it up. The first one we learn from this story is this. Don't allow peer pressure to cause you to disobey God. How do you do that? Because I tell you this, peer pressure is very powerful. Peer pressure had made you and I do things that we regret. You have had friends... Some maybe even in church call themselves Christians trying to manipulate you and put pressure on you to do things that you don't want to do. But hey, because you are under peer pressure, you can't help it. Like Jehoshaphat, he was under peer pressure even though he was warned. He knew he shouldn't do it. He did it anyways. Why? Peer pressure. Now, the way to avoid peer pressure is this. While the world, the people in the world, they are not my enemies— I will be very cautious to engage in relationship that would eventually cause them to use my relationship as peer pressure to pressure me to do things that I shouldn't be doing. Avoid relationship that are in disagreement to your conviction that would eventually manipulate you and coerce you to do things that you do not want to do. And so the brothers and sisters of the Lord, you know, who loves God, they, they're the best. You come to church, you know, you go into small group, you're in a relationship. And so they believe what you believe. They believe in the, in the grace of God. They believe in the goodness of God. They believe in faith, you know. You walk with them and he'll encourage you. Right? So be aware of that. Don't allow peer pressure to cause you to disobey. You go, number two is that there's a risk of being caught in the crossfire while the harm may have been meant for someone else. Many of us get involved in battles that we shouldn't get involved in. I'm going to talk more about it. But you know, when you're involved in somebody else's battles, there are risks that you're going to get caught in a crossfire. You know, I'll talk about about, the next point is don't get involved in battles. You see, there will be friends that will come to you and gossip about somebody else's problem to you or their own problem, their contention with another brothers or sisters with you. I want to encourage you to be careful that you do not pick side. You do not get involved in their battle because you're not in the middle of it because what they want to do is they want to have agreement and have more people to be on their side so that they feel more confident that what they're doing is right. Right? And so they're trying to pull you into this battle that don't belong to you. And I want to caution you because you might get caught in a crossfire. Don't take sides in quarrels. So don't get involved in battle or conflict that is not yours to fight. Don't take sides in quarrels that do not involve you. Don't get involved your emotion in the battle or fights that have nothing to do with you there are people that easily invest the emotion in a person in a team in an individual in a political party easily and so they get all worked up in the battles that you know don't even belong to them i was reading a news article there was this woman prominent woman actually she was saying that she has been in insomnia not able to sleep since Donald Trump become president. I was like, what? How do you square that? you know, if he wins or loses, he ain't going to be the president or the next secretary. You're just an ordinary citizen. She has nothing to do with any of the political party. And yet, because she got so caught up emotionally about uh, being against this individual, she said, I have not been sleeping well for two and a half years since he became the president. I was thinking to myself, why are you getting involved? I, I know, worse shit. there are people in this country that cannot sleep because Donald Trump is in the White House to get themselves involved in the battle that they shouldn't even be fighting in. Many of us are getting involved in battles that we're not fighting in because we readily avail our emotion. We invest our emotion in things that we shouldn't be investing in. Think about the things that you're investing your emotion in right now that you shouldn't be investing in. Is there any quarrels that you've invested your emotion in? Oh, divest yourself from it, man. Uninvest your emotion. Because when you invest your emotion in the fight, then you are part of the fight. Stay out of the fight. Get away from the fight. Don't have to take side. Don't have to be the judge. You know, always, there's always two sides to the story. Right? I'm sure the individual who shared their problem with you are very sincere about the fact that what their problem is is true, is real, and they're 100% right. I'm sure they sincerely, sincerely believe that's true. But there's always two sides of the story. So instead of quickly investing your emotion in one side or the other, be wise. Don't get involved in the battle that don't belong to you. You know, I know that, you know, many of you are NBA, you know, Raptors, you know, a fan, Right? And then, you know, you have sleepless night because they were fighting their way to become the NBA champion. You know, first of all, they get the, the, the division and then they, they go to the semifinal. And, and then every step of the way, the people that cannot sleep. And the guy who is making a gazillion of dollars, he's not even with this team anymore. And that you are picking side and you're investing it. You say, there's my team. Well, good for you. How much of a dollar did you get out of this whole deal? Well, be wise, right? Yes. You say you're such an uh, unloyal fan. You're probably right. I'm not a very loyal fan at all. When my wife is like screaming downstairs with my son, you know, oh, grab this. I was like, all the way to the end actually. I have made a decision because in the past, you know, I don't know about you, I always feel like any team that I invest my emotion in, they always lose. So for the sake of raptors, I was telling my wife, you don't want me to invest my money. As soon as I cheer for them, they're going to lose. You know, the leaves, the the jays, you know. Every time I get excited about them, boom, they lose, right? So I said, okay, I'm not going to, I'm actually going to talk bad things about them and then they won. You know, it's like, oh, praise the Lord, you know, you should thank me, you know. (laughs) But really, seriously, a lot of times we get involved in battles that really don't belong to us. Fights that don't belong to us and we get all worked up. Oh excited. Watch this. Don't fight the battle that belongs to Jesus. What are the battles that you have vested your emotion in that belongs to Jesus? Your righteousness? Your sickness? You know, the other week, last week I was leading worship, you know, I was talking about people getting all frustrated and sometimes I feel frustrated that God doesn't answer my prayer. Why, 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 why? And then this week, you know, and then I said, okay, you know, I have resolved that faith is to believe even if God doesn't seem to be answering your prayer. Remember I said that? Hebrews, you know, chapter 11 12, talk about the, the hero of faith, you know. The Bible said all of them, you know, done amazing miracles but none of them seen their promises come to pass in context talking about Jesus in their lifetime their, their prayers their, their hope their dreams their promises never come to pass and yet they still believe so I said God I'm going to resolve to believe in you in spite of what I don't think you are doing that you should be doing and, and, and I'm going to believe I'll stay in, in, in faith and then this week the Lord told me something He said you know I can help you All you have to do is just withdraw your emotion from the battles that don't belong to you. Oh, there are a lot of battles that I fight in that actually don't belong to me. So, you know, I would pray for people and I get fearful. Is it going to work? Is it going to work? Is it going to work? What am I doing? I'm investing my emotion in this process. Stay neutral. Praise God, man. Hallelujah. It's on you, Jesus. If you don't heal them, it's on you. Are you here this morning? And sometimes we pray, you know, I get all emotionally worked up. And the Holy Spirit says, son, why are you getting involved in your emotion in this? Is it my battle or is it your battle? It's his battle, right? So what battle that you're involved in that don't belong to you? The Bible clearly says they don't belong to you. Not only quarrels, but really a lot of things the Bible says is Jesus' battles. You know, in all our religious circles, you know, many churches, we say, you know, you got to have to work your own sanctification and righteousness. So we put them all the rigmarole for people that could just, just take all the steps. It's like, oh, but they're not your battle. Why are you fighting battles that don't belong to you and get your, all emotion, your, your emotion all invested in it? You should say, I do you know, I'm, whatever God, I surrender. See, when you surrender, which means you're withdrawing emotion from that particular battle. You hear? Well, what surrender means, which means that I'm not fighting it anymore. And that's why the song is so important. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Jesus I surrender, I surrender. Oh, Daniel is really good. He's amazing. Look at that. He can just pull this out right. Shandai. Good for you. Surrender. You know, this song in the old days, people were saying, surrender your house to the Lord, surrender your future. It's true, Right? Because if you surrender all that you have your emotion invested in, nothing can hurt you. Nothing can wreck you. There's no surprises. And many of us have not surrendered our healing to the Lord. We're still fighting it. Are you here this morning? You're fighting it. You're getting mad at God. You're getting mad at God. Why are you emotionally involved in the battles that do not belong to you? And you're waiting for your breakthrough. You know, I'm waiting for my breakthrough. When is my breakthrough? And you're fighting it. You're fighting it. And you get all emotional. And then you get, you know, get, get mad at God. Why? This is because your emotion is involved in the battles that never belong to you.